I want to talk about learning and development for a second. And I want to talk about scaling up the capabilities within our organization to do more, be more, and have more success. We're all trying to thrive, right? Let's just objectively call it what it is. We're all trying to have success. We're all trying to be better, do better, and and and, and achieve more. But in order to do that, I'm often very um, I'm often very confused by some of the actions and best practices and ways of going about this at the organizational level and at the leadership level. I'm very confused why so many human beings inside of organizations are not applying an employees first methodology to L&D. Now, let me explain. I'll talk about the financial elements and implications on the recruiting side. The first thought, the first thought, and I, and I know this by data personally, I know this by data from a research perspective, and I just know this by just gut intuition and common sense. The first thought by, let's call it 80% of organizations when they need to do more, be more, jump into another marketplace, sell more, advance, um, have more capabilities, um, market their product more, their services more, take over the market share more, whatever their, whatever their goals are, whenever they want to inevitably scale up and be more and do more, their first thought is typically to look outside of the organization and bring in those that have been there and done that. Tried and true. And I get it. I get it from a speed perspective. I get it from a knowledge perspective. And it does kind of make sense. I get it. Respect. Hats off to you. But let me talk about the downsides of that very briefly that a lot of leaders don't think about. And then I'll jump back over to L&D. The downside to that is the following. You're really, really, really forgetting about culture alignment. You really are. How many leaders listening right now can raise their hands and admit that they've hired folks that have little subtle misalignment moments, cues, and, and variables that just throw you off as a leader so much at an emotional and personal personality level or that throws off their team members and those that maybe report to that person at an emotional or personality level or that throws off just the overall aura and energy and cadence of the company so much that whether it's right, wrong, or indifferent, they're just not a good fit. And now you've wasted money, time, effort, executions, and now you're back where you start. That has happened at scale across many organizations in America and frankly, the world. I don't think we can doubt that. I don't think anyone listening would deny that. So that's a subtlety that a lot of organizations have to think about as they gear up to say, you know what? We need X, Y, and Z capability. We're going to go outside the organization. If you have anyone remotely close internally within the organization that can do what you want to achieve, or if you have the desire to maintain culture, maintain maintain communication, decision-making, um, points of views, um, all the variables that are more emotional and gray area alignment. If you want to maintain that speed and alignment on the human side of things, not the skill side, the behavior side of things, right? Like if you want to maintain the alignment on, 
on the overall awareness someone has, the drive, the inclusivity, the ethical, the, the openness, the, the ability to get excited about challenges, um, the, the, the fact that no one feels insecure with each other, uh, being, you know, the self-determination, the stability, uh, being decisive, curious. If, if these are behaviors that you want to maintain in your organization and not take a gamble on someone from the outside, then listen up. Getting right to L&D. You have to understand what tools, what best practices you're going to use to understand the learning style of every single person in your workforce today. I'll say it again. You have to understand how someone learns. You have to understand what structures that looks like, what technologies you need what they're used to, what they're not used to, what they can get comfortable with. You have to do the deep dive research and understand that. Now, the how-tos to get that done, I'll give you a few, right? You need to be able to have one-on-one conversations and facilitate the professional journey of someone throughout, frankly, actually not even the professional journey, their entire life journey to say, walk us through the moments where you best learned. Was it in lectures? Was it by doing? Was it by taking online courses? Was it by a combination of the two? How do you learn best? Having those one-on-one conversations in small teams of 8, 12, and 15, when the leaders of those teams are having one-on-one 30-minute, 40-minute conversations at scale throughout an organization of any size, makes a lot of sense. And then taking that data and then also taking coupling that data with some assessment tools to then understand, okay, well, if this is how they learn tactically, how can we measure their learning styles from a behavioral perspective, from an environmental perspective? What tools and resources can we bring in to understand that? Now let's assume you have all this great data. My, my head of L&D leaders listening, my chief people officers listening, my CEOs listening, my managers listening, you got to take that data, select and decide what, what tools you're going to inevitably utilize, take all the data from the tools and the resources and the assessments that you utilize, and then that's where you can go out and try to figure out what learning and development programs and initiatives you're going to put in place. But even then, there needs to be a complexity and a, and, and a diversity within Even then, there needs to be different types of execution that you put in place and that you present to those that you're trying to inevitably lead and develop and learn and develop. It doesn't make any sense to just force someone to learn in a certain way. If someone does not learn by reading a book, and I'm giving this a very low-level example, if you have a certain folks in your organization, a team, And that sales team, for instance, needs to drive more sales. And you're not going to go out and hire someone else for all the reasons I said. And there's a great book that you know has helped you personally as a leader grow and develop. But 60% of your team, due to the assessments and due to the conversations you've had, do not learn best by reading a book in a siloed function. Why would you build out a best practice to read a book in a siloed function? Because that's how you learn? Doesn't make too much sense, does it? 
But if you go about the assessments, if you go about the conversations, if you put employees in the driver's seat, you may realize that, look, we just need to start testing some stuff. We just need to start going out there and trying new um, sales tactics, trying new strategies, trying new structures, and inevitably we're going to hit on something that works and everyone on my team learns by just failing and doing and, and, and having experiences. And if I as a leader can say no one will be fired, no one will be penalized, there will, there will be no psychological threat There will be nothing but safety here, nothing but love here, nothing but learning here. Then I guarantee the results of that learning and development structure that you put in place will be a lot more productive. Lots of companies today proactively spend millions of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars, hundreds of dollars. And obviously I gave you the enterprise level, the mid cap, you know, the mid-sized level, mid-market, and then, and then smaller, you know, startup companies that are spending hundreds at a time. They're spending all this money, all this fancy technology, all these fancy structures and leaders thinking in ways that behoove those that are in the driver's seat of those decisions. Just because that's how you learn, does not mean that's how your organization at scale is going to learn objectively, right or wrong, whatever the case is going to be, black and white, just get it, understand it, love it, own it. It's true. And it's something that we all have to remember. I'll raise my hand right now in my marriage. Just because I'm able to process things relatively quickly from a social perspective does not mean my wife does. And I have to keep reminding myself that. Everyone needs different things. And the best leaders, the best companies, the best husbands, the best wives, the best partners, the best sons, the best brothers, the best sisters, the best cousins, the best aunts, uncles, the best human beings are willing to put the other human being first and treat them, love them, support them, teach them, develop them the way that they want to be. I'm hoping after I did this entire 10-minute rant, you're realizing that this is common sense. It is. So, as always, just a few perspectives, a few outside-the-box thoughts. I love you all. We'll talk soon.